property was still under construction, so they were walking into the recently finished Pentagon property, named for the shape of the lot. On paper, the Jefferson Group was a small consultancy that sourced its highly qualified principals to private corporations and the federal government. They even gave the occasional guest lecture at the university. While Cal Stokes was the de facto leader of the small company, billionaire Jonas Layton was its face. Layton had made his billions in the tech industry. By using his genius-level brain to build software widely adopted by multinational corporations and his uncanny ability to predict future events, Layton was increasingly being called the fortune-teller by industry insiders. His prognosticative powers were becoming legendary. Layton dealt with the day-to-day minutia of running a business. Although Cal was still majority owner of Stokes Security International, SSI, a private security company founded by his father, Marine Colonel Calvin Stokes Sr., he now handled the Jefferson Group's burgeoning covert division. Months before, he'd left SSI and been tasked by his good friend, U.S. President Brandon Zimmer, to form a new entity. This secret endeavor would have a public face but a very private mission. The Navy Cross winner was given the opportunity to be the president's secret weapon. He'd done it for years with SSI, but now he had a better cover. So, while local police and government agencies battled bureaucracy and fickle lawmakers, Cal and his team of operators at the Jefferson Group were free to battle the hidden forces that were attacking America. Just days before, the team had returned from overseas, where Cal had directed the complete destruction of the building terror organization called ISIS. Through careful coordination with American and coalition military assets, the President's men conducted a shock-and-awe campaign that was now pursuing global terrorists back to their homes. The gloves were off. America was playing for keeps, and Cal and his team were an instrumental part of it all. They were the emergency asset in President Zimmer's back pocket. As Cal and Trent entered the front door, they were greeted by a short Hispanic with an eccentric beard braided in dual strands running off his chin. Gaucho was a former Army Delta soldier and head of the squad-sized team who'd volunteered to follow Cal from SSI to the Jefferson Group. "'You take him down, boss?' Gaucho asked. By the grin on his face, he obviously already knew the answer." Cal shook his head. Top kept trying to hug me. I hate it when he does that. Trent punched his fellow Marine in the shoulder, knocking Cal a foot to the side. That's for not hugging me back, said Trent. Cal rubbed his shoulder. Any word from Travis? Travis Hayden was Cal's cousin and the previous CEO of Stoke Security International. Earlier that year, the former SEAL had accepted the invitation to be President Zimmer's chief of staff. Not yet, answered Gaucho. Cal frowned. Two days before, he'd gotten a call from his former platoon commander, Major Andrews. 
After saving each other's lives on deployment, the two Navy Cross winners had stayed in touch. Andy was the brother Cal never had. But the phone call hadn't been a hey-how's-it-going type of call. Andy was in trouble. He hadn't said so over the phone, but Arabic shouting and gunfire in the background preceded the conversation being disconnected. The first person Cal tried to contact after the line went dead was the man Andy had told him to call, Rich Isnard. Isnard was another former Marine who now served as the CIA station chief in Baghdad. Cal had met the rough-around-the-edges spook weeks earlier, just as ISIS delivered an almost catastrophic attack against the American embassy in the heart of the Iraqi capital. Isnard was the man responsible for recruiting Andy. While Andy was...